Topic 10, Second Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature, Topic 10, Second Paper by Mrs. Mary Church Terrell. What role is the educated Negro woman to play in the uplifting of her race? In all matters affecting the interests of the women of her race, Mrs. Mary Church Terrell of Washington, D.C. is a leading spirit. Three times in succession she was elected president of the National Association of Colored Women by most flattering majorities. When, according to the provision of the Constitution, which limits the terms of officers, Mrs. Terrell could not be re-elected president, she was made honorary president. She has twice been invited to address the National Women's Suffrage Association at its annual convention in Washington. Her public utterances have always made a profound impression on her hearers, and no speakers associated with her have received more applause from audiences or higher praise from the public press than herself. Not many years ago, when Congress by resolution granted power to the commissioners of the District of Columbia to appoint two women on the Board of Education for the public schools, Mrs. Terrell was one of the women appointed. She served in the board for five years with great success and signal ability. Mrs. Terrell is the only woman who has ever held the office of President of the Bethel Literary and Historical Association at Washington, the foremost and oldest lyceum established and controlled by colored people in America. Her splendid work as presiding officer of this organization had much to do with her other subsequent success in attaining similar positions in other bodies of deliberation. Mrs. Terrell's life has been an interesting one. She was born in Memphis, Tennessee, of well-to-do parents. She graduated at Oberlin College in 1884 with the degree of A.B., in 1888, she received the degree of A.M. from Oberlin. She was for a while a teacher at Wilberforce University at Xenia, Ohio. In 1887, she was appointed teacher of languages in the Colored High School at Washington. She went abroad for further study and travel in 1888 and remained in Europe two years spending the time in France, Switzerland, Germany, and Italy. She resumed her work in Washington in 1890. In 1891, she was offered the registership of Oberlin College, being the first woman of her race to whom such a position was ever tendered by an institution so widely known and of such high standard. This place was declined because of her approaching marriage. In 
In 1891, she was married to Mr. Robert H. Terrell, who was a graduate of Howard College, and who was recently appointed by President Roosevelt to a federal judgeship in the District of Columbia, being one of the two colored men first to receive this high distinction. Mrs. Terrell has a daughter whom she has named Phyllis, in honor of Phyllis Wheatley, the black woman whose verses received the commendation of George Washington and many other distinguished men of her time. Mrs. Terrell is now engaged by a lecture bureau. She has traveled extensively in the West, speaking before large audiences, and everywhere her talks have received the highest praise. The Danville, Illinois, Daily News, speaking of her address before the Chautauqua of that town, says, Mrs. Terrell's addresses are the pure gold, with less dross of nonsense than any lecturer that has come upon the stage at this Chautauqua. From the first word to the last, she has something to say, and says it as a cultured lady in the best of English, which has no tinge of the highfalutin or the sensational. Such speakers are rare. She should be paid to travel as a model of good English and good manners. Mrs. Terrell's eloquent utterances and chaste diction make a deep impression, which must have influence in the final shaping of the vexed problems that confront the Negro race in this country. Her exceptional attainments and general demeanor are a wonderful force in eradicating the prejudice against colored women. She is making an opening for her sisters as no one else is doing or has ever done. Should anyone ask what special phase of the Negro's development makes me most hopeful of his ultimate triumph over present obstacles, I should answer unhesitatingly, it is the magnificent work the women are doing to regenerate and uplift the race. Judge the future of colored women by the past since their emancipation, and neither they nor their friends have any cause for anxiety. For years, either banding themselves into small companies or struggling alone, Colored women have worked with might and main to improve the condition of their people. The necessity of systematizing their efforts and working on a larger scale became apparent not many years ago, and they decided to unite their forces. Thus it happened that in the summer of 1896, the National Association of Colored Women was formed by the union of two large organizations, each of which has done much to show our women the advantage of concerted action. So tenderly has this daughter of the organized womanhood of the race been nurtured and so wisely ministered unto that it has grown to be a child hale, hearty, and strong, of which its fond mothers have every reason to be proud. Handicapped though its members have been, because they lacked both money and experience, their efforts have, for the most part, 
been crowned with success in the twenty-six states where it has been represented. Kindergartens have been established by some of our organizations, from which encouraging reports have come. A sanitarium with a training school for nurses has been set on such a firm foundation by the Phyllis Wheatley Club of New Orleans, Louisiana, and has proved itself to be such a blessing to the entire community that the municipal government has voted it an annual appropriation of several hundred dollars. By the Tuskegee, Alabama branch of the association, the work of bringing the light of knowledge and the gospel of cleanliness to their poor benighted sisters on the plantations has been conducted with signal success. Their efforts have thus far been confined to four estates, comprising thousands of acres of land, on which live hundreds of colored people, yet in the darkness of ignorance and the grip of sin, miles away from churches and schools. Plans for aiding the indigent, orphaned, and aged have been projected and in some instances have been carried into successful execution. One club in Memphis, Tennessee, has purchased a large tract of land, on which it intends to erect an old folks' home, part of the money for which has already been raised. Splendid service has been rendered by the Illinois Federation of Colored Women's Clubs, through whose instrumentality schools have been visited, truant children looked after, parents and teachers urged to cooperate with each other, rescue and reform work engaged in, so as to reclaim unfortunate women and tempted girls, public institutions investigated, garments cut, made, and distributed to the needy poor. Questions affecting our legal status as a race are sometimes agitated by our women. In Tennessee and Louisiana, Colored women have several times petitioned the legislature of their respective states to repeal the obnoxious Jim Crow car laws. In every way possible, we are calling attention to the barbarity of the convict lease system, of which Negroes, and especially the female prisoners, are the principal victims, with the hope that the conscience of this country may be touched and this stain on its escutcheon be forever wiped away. Against the one-room cabin we have inaugurated a vigorous crusade. When families of eight or ten men, women, and children are all huddled promiscuously together in a single apartment, a condition common among our poor all over the land, there is little hope of inculcating morality and modesty. And yet, in spite of the fateful heritage of slavery, in spite of the manifold pitfalls and peculiar temptations to which our girls are subjected, and though the safeguards usually thrown around maidenly youth and innocence are in some sections entirely withheld from colored girls, 
statistics compiled by men not inclined to falsify in favor of my race show that immorality among colored women is not so great as among women in some foreign countries who are equally ignorant poor and oppressed believing that it is only through the home that a people can become really good and truly great the national association has entered that sacred domain homes more homes better homes purer homes is the text upon which sermons have been and will be preached there has been a determined effort to have heart-to-heart -heart talks with our women that we may strike at the root of evils many of which lie at the fireside. If the women of a dominant race, with all the centuries of education, culture, and refinement back of them, with all the wealth of opportunity ever present with them, feel the need of a mother's congress, that they may be enlightened upon the best methods of rearing their children and conducting their homes, how much more do our women from whom shackles have but yesterday been stricken, need information on the same vital subjects. And so the association is working vigorously to establish mothers' congresses on a small scale wherever our women can be reached. From this brief and meager account of the work which has been and is still being accomplished by colored women through the medium of their clubs, it is easy to observe how earnest and effective have been their efforts to elevate their race. No people need ever despair whose women are fully aroused to the duties which rest upon them and are willing to shoulder responsibilities which they alone can successfully assume. The scope of our endeavors is constantly widening into the various channels of generosity and beneficence we are entering more and more every day some of our women are now urging their clubs to establish day nurseries a charity of which there is an imperative need thousands of our wage-earning mothers with large families dependent almost entirely upon them for support are obliged to leave their children all day entrusted to the care of small brothers and sisters or some good-natured neighbor who promises much but who does little some of these infants are locked alone in the room from the time the mother leaves in the morning until she returns at night not long ago i read in a southern newspaper that an infant thus locked alone in a room all day while its mother went out to wash had cried itself to death when one reflects upon the slaughter of the innocents which is occurring with pitiless persistency every day and thinks of the multitudes who are maimed for life or are rendered imbecile because of the treatment received during their helpless infancy it is evident that by establishing day nurseries colored women will render one of the greatest services possible to humanity and to the race nothing lies nearer the heart of colored women than the children 
We feel keenly the need of kindergartens, and are putting forth earnest efforts to honeycomb this country with them from one extremity to the other. The more unfavorable the environments of children, the more necessary is it that steps be taken to counteract baleful influences upon innocent victims. How imperative is it then that as colored women we inculcate correct principles and set good examples for our own youth whose little feet will have so many thorny paths of temptation, injustice, and prejudice to tread. So keenly alive is the National Association to the necessity of rescuing our little ones whose evil nature alone is encouraged to develop and whose noble qualities are deadened and dwarfed by the very atmosphere which they breathe, that its officers are trying to raise money with which to send out a kindergarten organizer whose duty it shall be to arouse the conscience of our women and to establish kindergartens wherever means therefore can be secured through the children of to-day we believe we can build the foundation of the next generation upon such a rock of morality intelligence and strength that the floods of proscription prejudice and persecution may descend upon it in torrents and yet it will not be moved we hear a great deal about the race problem and how to solve it the real solution of the race problem lies in the children both so far as we who are oppressed and those who oppress us are concerned some of our women who have consecrated their lives to the elevation of their race feel that neither individuals nor organizations working toward this end should be entirely satisfied with their efforts unless some of their energy money or brain is used in the name and for the sake of the children the national association has chosen as its motto lifting as we climb in order to live strictly up to this sentiment its members have determined to come into the closest possible touch with the masses of our women through whom the womanhood of our people is always judged it is unfortunate but it is true that the dominant race in this country insists upon gauging the negro's worth by his most illiterate and vicious representatives rather than by the more intelligent and worthy classes colored women of education and culture know that they cannot escape altogether the consequences of the acts of their most depraved sisters they see that even if they were wicked enough to turn a deaf ear to the call of duty both policy and self-preservation demand that they go down among the lowly the illiterate and even the vicious to whom they are bound by the ties of race and sex and put forth every possible effort to reclaim them by coming into close touch with the masses of our women it is possible to correct many of the evils which militate so seriously against us and inaugurate the reforms without which as a race we cannot hope to succeed through the clubs we are studying the labor question and are calling the attention of our women 
to the alarming rapidity with which the negro is losing ground in the world of labor if this movement to withhold employment from him continues to grow the race will soon be confronted by a condition of things disastrous and serious indeed we are preaching in season and out that it is the duty of every wage-earning colored woman to become thoroughly proficient in whatever work she engages so that she may render the best service of which she is capable and thus do her part toward establishing a reputation for excellent workmanship among colored women our clubs all over the country are being urged to establish schools of domestic science it is believed that by founding schools in which colored girls could be trained to be skilled domestics we should do more toward solving the labor question as it affects our women than by using any other means it is in our power to employ we intend to lay the negro side of the labor question clearly before our large-hearted broad-minded sisters of the dominant race and appeal to them to throw their influence on the right side we shall ask that they train their children to be broad and just enough to judge men and women by their intrinsic merit rather than by the adventitious circumstances of race or color or creed colored women are asking the white mothers of the land to teach their children that when they grow to be men and women if they deliberately prevent their fellow creatures from earning an honest living by closing their doors of trade against them the father of all men will hold them responsible for the crimes which are the result of their injustice and for the human wrecks which the ruthless crushing of hope and ambition always makes through our clubs colored women hope to improve the social atmosphere by showing the enormity of the double standard of morals which teaches that we should turn the cold shoulder upon a fallen sister but greet her destroyer with open arms and a gracious smile the duty of setting a high moral standard and living up to it devolves upon colored women in a peculiar way false accusations and malicious slanders are circulated against them constantly both by the press and by the direct descendants of those who in years past were responsible for the moral degradation of their female slaves carefully and conscientiously we shall study the questions which affect the race most deeply and directly against the convict lease system the jim crow car laws lynchings and other barbarities which degrade us we shall protest with such force of logic and intensity of soul that those who oppress us will either cease to disavow the inalienability and equality of human rights or be ashamed to openly violate the very principles upon which this government was founded by discharging our obligation to the children by coming into the closest possible touch with the masses of our people by studying the labor question as it affects the race 
by establishing schools of domestic science, by setting a high moral standard and living up to it, by purifying the home, colored women will render their race a service whose value it is not in my power to estimate or express. The National Association is being cherished with such loyalty and zeal by our women that there is every reason to hope it will soon become the power for good, the tower of strength, and the source of inspiration to which it is destined. And so, lifting as we climb, onward and upward we go, struggling and striving, and hoping that the buds and blossoms of our desires will burst into glorious fruition ere long with courage born of success achieved in the past with a keen sense of the responsibility which we must continue to assume we look forward to the future large with promise and hope seeking no favors because of our color or patronage because of our needs we knock at the bar of justice and ask for an equal chance End of topic 10 second paper.